Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Older and Boulder podcast. This is Krista Overly, and this is episode number nine of the second season. And today's episode, I'm doing a little bit of a reflection episode on what this past year have been the things I've learned and more deeply taken in to my body, my bones, like my knowing. It's a process. There's no arrival point for this, but it's just the things that have really been present for me lately and understanding myself more deeply and my life in general. And I thought I'd share these with you. Now, if it seems to you like, wow, this is a really interesting time of year to have a reflection episode. You're right. It is a really interesting time of year. September, when I'm recording this, is my birthday month. And This year, I reached um, a fun little numerical numerical milestone. Did I say milestone? Milestone. Um, I turned 55 this year, which is an interesting year to think about. And having to look back, or wanting to look back, rather, of uh, what I've been experiencing what I've been planning, what I saw and did and what happened has been uh, fascinating. (laughs) So this episode, I came up with eight different things that I've really been learning about and finding myself going deeper with them over time. So the first learning that I've been working on this past year is a phrase I learned from my coach mentor, Allegra Stein, and I'm paraphrasing it slightly, making it a little more broad. There's no perfect one way to do anything. Whatever people tell you about, like, this is the perfect diet, or this is the perfect way to run your business, or this is the perfect way to raise your children. There's no one right way for everyone, but there's a right way for me. And when I started really working with this and examining it, and we get a little deeper into these learnings, you'll hear why that made an impact. It freed me up so much because there will be times when someone says, this is the best perfect way to do this. They may have a lot of experiences and they may have a system that works, that has worked for them, that it works for a number of their clients or people that they, or patients. Sometimes that will work for you and sometimes it won't. You are unique. There is a way that something is the right way for you. And the freedom of knowing that there's no one perfect way to do anything is that you get to discover, experiment, and try things for yourself to find what works for you. Number two, it's really okay to ask for help. I realize as I record this, we are still going through the COVID-19 epidemic, pandemic, 
And I know sometimes it feels like it's going to be an imposition to ask someone for help. However, there is often a resource or a person or someone who can help you or offer thoughts or suggestions or just support maybe that listening ear. I've used this thought quite a few times in this past year, especially with projects that felt daunting when I was starting them. I recently had a new experience that I was hosting on Zoom, and I had to ask some people for some help, for some insight, for some ideas, for feedback. It wasn't just a crowdsourcing and in that way of I'm just going to ask a lot of people and see what everybody thinks. It was I thought about something and I knew what I needed answers to. But sometimes that isn't even it. Sometimes it's just, look, I need some help managing my life in this area, or I just need someone to listen to me for a few minutes because I'm overwhelmed or exhausted. There is nothing wrong, and it's really okay to ask for help. Number three, when you're taking an action that feels difficult or overwhelming, breaking it down into micro steps makes it easier. I use this with that same project I mentioned a moment ago where I had to take that experience I was creating. I'd never done something like it before. I had to break it down into little bitty steps. I wanted to invite people to the event and I started there. Like, who did I want to invite? And I made that list. I thought about when and where do I want this to happen? And I decided, it took a little while, but I decided where I wanted to, to have the event. And then I w- was thinking about what could, what would we do during that event? I had some pieces in mind, but I knew that there was more to fill out. So I, I took it in little steps and I got more feedback. Like a, number two, I asked people for some ideas and help. What do you, what is your experience on working with that. Have you done this or how did you start that piece? I thought about what I'd provide. I sent out the invitations to people. So rather than it being one large nebulous sort of blob of a thing, having this experience, I broke it down into those little bite-sized chunks, the things that I could do in maybe 15 minutes or less. And I just kept going at it, kept taking little steps at a time to get to the day of the event. And it happened. And I enjoyed it all the more because I did not get super stressed about a big nebulous blob. I knew exactly what was what I was going to do in the next moment to get ready for it. Number four, knowing my strengths, being who I am right now is just right for now. So the strengths I'm speaking of are from the Clifton Strengths Assessment from Gallup. It is something that I use in my work with clients. And I, when I was introduced to it in the last year, 
I realized I had often judged myself for not being other things, things that were not my top strengths, because my top strengths were quite different than the things I thought I should be. Like I thought I should be an achiever, a strong achiever. I thought I should have more influence. But what I learned is my strengths are about thinking and relating to people and I'm learning how I use them, what I do with them, how they can be developed and used in my life and in my work became so much more of a warm and inviting reality for me. It's hard to put into words, but I can appreciate who I am so much more now than when I did not know my strengths. It also let me see that the things that I wasn't very strong at, like I said, achiever is very, it's at the bottom of my list of strengths. I do it, but I, it's not my go-to. It's not my strong suit. That's okay. I'm very happy using my top strengths and finding other strengths to support my ability to get things done. Number five, using my top values to make an assessment of what I want to do next or what work I want to do, which workshop I want to attend, or even starting a new hobby is vital for me to enjoy my life. So you've probably heard over the years, know what your values are. What are your values? Like live by your values, which is all great information. This was another piece of the UMAP, which is, again, the tool I've used with clients, using my top values to check in about the values of a mentor or a coach to assess if a workshop or a mastermind or a class aligns with the values I hold in, in addition to whatever skills you want to learn, if it's long-term, that's going to be important. Do your values match with that person or that group? If it's a short-term class, that may not be as important to you. But you think about time that you spend in learning something, a hobby, in working with someone, a mentor or a coach. Having those values line up is going to be a better fit. It's going to more than likely be more productive. You're going to enjoy it more. You're going to hear and take it in more. Number six, this one was interesting for sure. Failure is a learning experience, not an opportunity for harsh judgments or criticism. Now, I'm strictly speaking from the perspective of internally, and you can take it to an external toward other people as well. I know that this is not something everyone will agree with, but this was my learning. There are times in life when I felt, oh yeah, duh, I knew that, uh, when I've been through something and didn't participate in the way I wanted to, didn't maybe wasn't committed to something, perhaps I forgot some important information and I've been extremely harsh to myself. 
I've done that to other people too. And it's, it hasn't been helpful. It hasn't worked out well for me or the others when that happens. What I have learned is when I can take that experience and go, what do I know now? What did I learn from that? Do I need to remember to put this item in my bag the night before? Do I need to go over the checklist and just double check it? Do I need to check in with this person two days ahead of when this should happen? When I consider that it's a learning experience, it's not just about that preparation, but also how I respond to myself and or the other person. If I don't have the time after something has not worked out for reflection and understanding of what how I could create something better the next time, I've actually just left an opportunity to grow a little more. And if I, in this case, it wouldn't be growing more, I could be actually creating a, a more harmful viewpoint and be creating more problems for myself down the road. So that was number six. That one is not been easy. Number seven, life will not work out exactly as I want. That one isn't just this past year, but it's just been a, a higher elevation of that learning. The idea that life will work out exactly as I want or should work out exactly as I want. I would say that's been a plaguing belief that is about entitlement. And I'm trying to unlearn the belief that I'm entitled to getting what I want, to have it work out exactly as I want. So even when I've tried to predict possible outcomes, of course, sometimes things will go awry. And this year, when I'm recording this, 2021 has had many of those moments on a global scale. When I decided to start, when I've decided to start being prepared for that it might not work out exactly as I want, even though I've prepared for something, I am far less upset. I can move on from that moment more easily. And it makes my life and the life of those around me so much nicer. I'm sure this will continue to show up in my life. I I am under no illusion that I am beyond feeling entitled. So now when I'm getting these experiences that start to frustrate me, or I find myself reacting in the moment, I'm really trying to slow down and just remind myself that life will not always work out exactly as I want. And that is how life is. And number eight, keep experimenting with new ideas and new approaches. I know that in my 50s and my mid-50s, for myself and even in the 40 in in our 40s i know quite a few of, of my colleagues or friends have often we've often found ourselves feeling a little like fearful feeling some trepidation about trying new ideas trying new approaches that we're so comfortable with what we had we've already worked so hard to get to a certain point 
What I'm learning though is experimenting with these ideas and approaches doesn't mean you will have to continue with them forever. It just means you are willing to try something new and see how it works for you. So go back and refer to number one. There's no one perfect way to do anything. There's a one that works for me. And I will, on top of that, so I'm going to end with one that kind of challenges number one a little bit. What works what well is the best way for me can still possibly be up-leveled, if you will, improved upon. I, it's really easy sometimes to think that I don't have time to try something new. If I do that and it doesn't work out, it's wasting my time. But I would poke a hole in that thought and that idea, that belief, and say, you don't know until you've had enough time to try it, to work with it, to evaluate it, to see how it could work for you, to see how you can learn more, maybe about people, maybe about the world, or maybe just yourself. When I've done this, when I've just gone ahead and said, I'm going to try and I'm going to see how this could work for me, I'm a lot less fearful. I'm a lot less anxious. I'm more open and just more willing because an experiment doesn't need to have a perfect outcome. An experiment is about learning. It's about growing and challenging yourself a little bit more. And there's a lot of good research that says by continuing to learn through your life and challenge yourself more, it's good for you. It's good for your brain. I'm all about having the best brain I possibly can. So that's it. Those are the eight things that I find that I was really working on in this past year. I would be more than willing to hear and learn from you if you think about what you've been learning and exploring and finding deeper in your bones, if you will. Feel free to message me. And maybe one of these has caught your attention. Maybe that's something you've been working through and exploring as well. Take good care. And I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. If you heard something helpful in today's podcast, please leave a five-star rating and tell me and other listeners about it in a review. If you leave a five-star review, I'll give you a shout out in a future episode. Thanks again and have a bolder day.